everyone, I'm Lara Bella from Black Panda, and today I am here with Rika. Hi, Rika. Hi, Lara Bella. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? You are in Texas right now, right? I am. So we have quite a few hours of difference, but we managed to make it. So um, tell me maybe a bit about yourself so we can introduce you to our audience. I would say that I am a next generation computing nerd and passionate about sustainability and ESG and ultimately am curious and putting a lot of energy and effort into emerging technologies and certainly the role that cybersecurity plays, IT security plays in being a powerful enabler, powerful enabler for all of that. I'm um, born and raised in Japan. My mother is German. So maybe I should have gone into automotive as my career, but nonetheless, I've been in disruptive tech my whole life. Um, started in the early days of the dot-com, moved into mobile, and uh, have gone into next-generation computing with NVIDIA, worked in on the services side with companies ex- like Accenture and Capgemini. And currently, I'm at NTT, where I'm the group vice president within the New Ventures and Innovation Group. And there, I'm uh, driving the agile co-innovation practice, where we're translating the emerging technologies like 5G, IoT, edge computing, and I'm sure we'll we'll be bringing in generative AI, blockchain, and some other things into the portfolio um, to business outcomes for our clients. So it's really taking those emerging technologies and, and focusing on use cases into two outcomes. And we have this fundamental principle, sorry, we have this fundamental principle within new ventures and innovation. And the work that we do is that everything is, 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 is um, secure by design. So everything is is very much thinking with a with that security component as a focus because NTT is in in one part a digital infrastructure company and so our role is to enable digitalization digitization of content and assets and then the digitalization of process. So as we're doing that and I'm sure we'll talk more about this here today uh, it is incumbent on us to make sure that we're thinking about IT and cybersecurity within that context, especially given a lot of the acceleration that's been happening with the pandemic. Um, in my copious free time, I uh, also am, I speak frequently about uh, the role of emerging technologies and in innovation. I'm an investor in women-founded women startups. I uh, am also an author, um, a best-selling author, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to share that a book I wrote about women on corporate boards was an Amazon bestseller. And I'm working on my second book, which is looking at the intersection of digital transformation and sustainability that's been activated and catalyzed by, by the pandemic. And I love nothing more than to explore topics of what is possible today and what we can all collectively work towards in the future. Definitely. And it's such an interesting kind of intersection because they're both such relevant things, right? Uh, Cybersecurity and sustainability. And it's not often that we talk about them in conjunction. So what does cybersecurity have to do with sustainability in this case? 100%. It's not often that cybersecurity and sustainability are seen in the same sentence or even said in the same breath. And it's something that I stumbled upon, so to speak, when I was in Japan for the Mansfield Foundation, we were doing a readout on a cybersecurity workforce that we had put together around 
leveraging the alliance between the US and Japan around cybersecurity measures, policy, and opportunities. And while there, I was asked to speak to a group of senior executives over a luncheon. And originally, the topic that we were going to talk about, or they asked me to address, is diversity in the cybersecurity industry. As any subcomponent or subcategory of, of technology, Diversity is a challenge, not just diversity of gender, but diversity of race, diversity of, of age, diversity of, of a number of different facets. And so I thought about that and thinking, yes, I, I can address it, the challenges around diversity in, in a technology field like IT security and cybersecurity. As I thought about it more, I thought, well, this is a well-known problem. And there's certainly a lot of efforts that are being applied to address it uh, and uh, by many sides. Of, of the equation. And so I thought what might be more interesting is to investigate perhaps where cybersecurity and sustainability converge. And so I started to do some research. I didn't have a lot of time, but cybersecurity, IT security, something that I've been knowledgeable about because of the work that I've done in throughout my career. And also just through keeping up to date on emerging tech and also startups. I'm a venture partner for Alumni Venture Group, and they asked me to scout out startups. And so that's something that I do. And one of my good friends at NTT, Warren Small, is his specialty is in cybersecurity and security. So it's a world that I've known and I've been familiar with to some extent. And on the sustainability side, certainly that's something that I've been very, very deeply involved in. And, and so when I started to look at the corresponding intersection of sustainability and cybersecurity, I was really amazed to see how much of a convergence there is between the two areas. And so the concept that I came up with is if some of it is really thinking about the way that both cybersecurity and sustainability, the roads lead to risk. So obviously cybersecurity is, is a huge part of risk management for a community, for an enterprise, for a nation state. And uh, sustainability as well is, is a huge part of risk management. And that showed up very prominently during COVID-19 when it was discovered that some of the companies that had a sustainability regimen or some hygiene around it outperformed those that didn't, because there was a level of governance and transparency in, under, in an understanding of how to look at the supply chain, because a lot of the sustainability challenges can be found in the supply chain and some of these other areas. So those organizations that had some discipline around that were better equipped to deal with one of the biggest risk factors we've all of us have collectively faced, which is the pandemic. And so when I started to make the links across cybersecurity and sustainability, key areas around infrastructure. And so cybersecurity and infrastructure, the relationship there started to really become quite evident even within the mainstream with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And so when you think about how in part accelerated by COVID-19, there's been this digital saturation and a fabric of digital endpoints and nodes that have erupted as a result of the need for people to be able to be virtual, literally virtual work and virtual living <laughs> and virtual experiences. And so with this eruption and proliferation of all of this digitalization, including in critical infrastructure, the vulnerabilities that that created and the, the risk, therefore, the risk profiles that were then 
created with that became quite evident, as I mentioned, with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, because now you had the possibility of the critical infrastructure coming down. You have things around energy and the ability for a community and for a society to have access to energy or for utilities and the role of dams and the role that dams play in being able to have the water be managed for a community or even different commercial facilities, uh, transportation and logistics, ports, entry points through the city and out of a city or even a town. There are all these different infrastructure components uh, that were can be at risk if they have exposure to the the network or if they ha- are connected into the network, which is something that has increasingly become uh, the, the case, especially for cities as they try to enable their citizens. And so lo and behold, some of the things that we think about for sustainability, like transportation system, water and waste systems, and also thinking about the role of critical manufacturing within the industrial sector that then feeds back into the whole GDP and aspect of of the of the uh, the productivity of, of a community and nation state. All of these things start to become uh, points of vulnerability, as well as points of uh, what we need to address from a sustainability perspective. And so that's just scratching the surface from a critical infrastructure perspective of the role of cybersecurity and sustainability. And I would say that the other thing that is really correlative between the two is that it's not just about the preventative and understanding how best to try to protect those assets in that infrastructure, but also how you address breach and incidents that happen. So they might be sustainability incidents or they might be uh, the the hack or a risk uh, factor within cybersecurity. So it's about how do you address those moments that happen. And so that speaks to the resilience and perhaps even the anti-fragility, so to speak, of how systems and communities and people can recover from that and hopefully be stronger on the other side of it and be able to build better systems that can both address some of the aspects of sustainability. And in this case, by the way, when I talk about sustainability, I'm mostly talking about climate forward pieces around carbon and GHG emissions, uh, renewable energy, circular economy, and waste and pollution management. Sustainability is a very big word because it can also incorporate digital divide, uh, biodiversity, um, food and hunger, but for purposes of of the correlation and the way to think about the the, the technology components of this and the digitalization, that's, that's where I wanted to ring fence it. The other thing I just wanted to say is It's also thinking about talent and the talent management within both sectors. So in some ways, there's a, well, not in some ways, there's definitely a shortage of cybersecurity, IT security experts. And that's something that is is very well known and, and, and countries, including my home country, Japan and other countries, Germany, my other half, they're all in US. This this is a big, big issue of how you skill up people to be able to address this because it's it's only growing exponentially the need it and it's commensurate with the digitalization of of so many things that's only continuing to be accelerated as businesses and communities harness the benefits of that meanwhile within the sustainability field as well i think that there's a shortage of people that really understand how to translate 
some of the sustainability uh, uh, equation to risk management, and also being able to really fundamentally leverage innovation technology to improve and to do better with sustainability. And so that's why I think that sustainability and cybersecurity are two sides of the same coin. And the good news around that is that leaders can be empowered to leverage the key processes and actions. So doing one thing within cybersecurity, you can compound that with action that you would take to manage sustainability measures or vice versa. And that compounding effect is a way for leaders to be able to sustain the integrity of their communities and the businesses or sovereign states, nation states, and, and really the well-being for all of us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it seems quite apparent that companies should integrate cybersecurity into their environmental and social corporate governance strategies, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think that has to be a fundamental part of how they think about it, because it's 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 already enough pressure for enterprises to find funding to be able to address this whole operational machinery that continues to become more complex every day. And so being able to interweave that brings the sort of the two for one, well, not exactly two for one, but something, as I was saying earlier, compounded effect. So integrating that gracefully and being able to take action in a way that addresses both is is the wise and efficient thing to do. So from your cybersecurity perspective, how do you feel that the COVID pandemic has um, increased the or affected the impact of a cybersecurity breach on companies? Well, COVID-19 has absolutely created this proliferation of digital endpoints and networks. And, and I think countries that were didn't have the infrastructure before certainly have the infrastructure now to enable connectivity because connectivity became a fundamental way for people to communicate and to collaborate because without that, there was going to be a huge calamity to the economy and and countries and communities and businesses. With that proliferation, of course, comes the added vulnerability points, because anytime you introduce an IP address or some ability for a connectivity and communication of that connectivity and data to come in, and then that data to then have the chance to move from one location to another at whatever pace and rate, now you're introducing that many more opportunities for malfeasant actors to come in and to, uh, to, to create some sort of incident and to be able to hack a system and to, um, and to be able to cr- take down an organization, uh, create a threat to individual privacy create a threat to fundamental integrity of an organization and a business and more. And could you discuss the difference between protecting every system from an attack versus focusing on critical assets? And this, I guess, also has an effect on how we view sustainability with that risk kind of context that you were discussing just now. You can't protect everything because there's three levels of knowing. You know what you know, you you know what you don't know. Like I know Japanese I know I don't know how to speak uh, French, I would love to, but then there's the third is you don't know what you don't know. And Mm -hmm. so because of the agile nature of innovation, so innovation is absolutely a double-edged sword. There's the ability to use innovation to iterate and you can use innovation to iterate and go into white space, i.e. go into not knowing what we don't know. 
So it's impossible to protect everything, even though that might be the inclination to feel completely safe and secure, to feel like you've protected everything or think that you've protected everything because you just can't. But focusing your efforts and your attention on on those critical assets is is really the smart thing to do. And even there, it's not 100% foolproof. The key thing is if you're going to invest the time and the resources, then identifying and prioritizing what are the most critical things and why. And fundamentally, creating a, a simulation of if these things were to be breached or hacked or threatened, what, what is the implication of that? So you can really think through that scenario is going to be helpful for you to figure out what it, because otherwise it's just going to be overwhelming mm-hmm. uh, to try to do everything. And and I don't think, and we already talked about the shortage of talent and there's a lot of very smart people out there. There's also the threat of AI now coming into play, which is something that I think is a whole new world that we have yet to traverse to understand how to really both embrace and and also to tackle it. And do you think these breaches have an impact on society as well as individuals? Oh, a thousand percent. I'm, I don't know if there's a there's a number of zeros that I can put on the percent of that that, that agreement. Um, yeah, because on the individual level, of course, the the threat to individual privacy, the threat to identity, the kind of ways that people's lives have been upended by virtue of their their information being used uh, for, and, and, and that's a long lasting, potentially lifelong impact to an individual. And it's potentially absolutely devastating. Um, and then to society, it's because of, again, uh, because of the ways that societies are now run on grids, like electric grid. And we've seen some of the challenges that have happened when grids have been hacked and taken down. Um, and so the, 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 the handicap that happens on an individual level is, of course, devastating. But to think about what it can happen en masse is also something that can be quite frightening. Mm-hmm. And in this, I guess, really aligns with the sustainability side of things as well, right? Because we're talking about a similar kind of scale. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I'll say, so we, we talked about the resonance between cybersecurity and sustainability, and I'm yeah, I'm still kind of fleshing this out a bit, but in the meantime, what I will say is that with all the focus that's on cybersecurity right now, it's an existential threat that feels very real and present because it is. Sustainability, on the other hand, for people like myself and others that are very immersed in, in the world, it, it it feels very present and, and extremely re- relevant and not even near-term horizon, like that we're standing on that horizon and that precipice of no coming back. And so we have to act immediately with that same level of urgency. And my fear is that whilst cybersecurity, there's a lot of clamor and a lot of focus and attention on it. And again, escalated by the number of bad actors that have made their way in during the time when COVID-19 was a huge distraction and uh, people just didn't think about the threat. And that's another thing when we were talking about individual threat versus societal and nation states and businesses, I think there's a level of understanding and education that has to happen at the individual level mm-hmm. about the 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 extremity of, of the impact on, on individuals. But going back to the, the original question, as I was saying, my fear is that 
people aren't going to feel that sustainability is as urgent as cybersecurity is and the need to focus on that. And so I hope that that eventually becomes just part and parcel and endemic to how businesses run in the same way that sustainability is increasingly become the way that businesses are run. And you see that from the World Economic Forum published their sustainability report just as January 2023 in, in conjunction with Accenture. And what's what's very clear is that organizations are starting to take cybersecurity as, as a fundamental posture that they need to have of, of a not just defense, but active defense of how they're going to pull out all stops to ensure that they are taking the right actions to, to protect, as we said, critical assets and anything else that might be um, doable within the domain of the business. And I guess it has a lot to do as well with how companies perceive the risks as economic risks as well for themselves, right? And and I mean, a cyber breach can wipe out a business that's been kind of built for many years, but then we also have sustainability risks and um, like climate risks that can also really affect business and its viability. Yeah, I think that that point is is very poignant in the sense that even if it doesn't wipe out the business, it can be hugely damaging in a slow death kind of way, right? So there can be immediate death to a business because there's been a huge breach and the lawsuits and all these things that just become unmanageable, especially for a small to medium-sized business, right? That's, I think, where the World Economic Forum report talks about how the small to medium, this SMB space is one that needs a considerable amount of focus, attention, and scrutiny on how we're going to help them. And this SMB markets in many countries is the heartbeat of how the businesses are run. I know the headlines are dominated by the Fortune 500 and the, you know, the FTSE 100 and all these other large organizations. But we have to think about the SMBs and and for them, it's it's perhaps much easier in some ways to take them down than it is for a large organization that has a lot of the different resources. But like I said, it doesn't have to be an explosion of a hack. It can be a reputation damage that happens to a business that over time is the cause of its demise. Definitely. And do you think there is a standard framework that organizations can adopt to measure cyber risk and kind of help regulators effectively manage the risk as part of their ESG strategy? There are frameworks, and I don't know that there is a single one, but I think that various enterprises and startups like Black Panda are are starting to gather the kind of data that inform what's, what frameworks are going to be helpful guidelines and policies that are going to be helpful. And those frameworks ultimately need to play a part in in, in regulatory frameworks, right? It's because regulation and, and, and policy is going to be a big part of how we standardize the ways that organizations and communities are going to be able to protect themselves and mitigate threat uh, for, for any kind of attacks and things like that. So the frameworks, and by the way, that's also correlated to sustainability because that's all the other thing that's still iterative right now are what are the frameworks that are going to A, create visibility into the system, B, be able to recognize when an attack happens, C, understand what kind of attack it was and what the aftermath and the repercussions of that attack was, and then D, figure out how to, to remediate and how to be resilient and to be able to come back up 
and run the forensics so that you now have the information and data that's going to help you be better on the next turn. And so the frameworks or the standard frameworks that I think are going to be critical to this are going to be in part a collaboration of a number of key players in this ecosystem, because I don't think it's just one, one provider of an aspect of a framework that's it's going to be a, a standardization that will be through a coalition of, of parties that can be involved around each of those steps, as it were, of going through the life cycle of a, of a, of a breach, for example, or an attack and being able to um, take and to be able to take the information and data to become stronger. And those frameworks have to have the agility to shape shift and adjust based on the kind of threat. Because again, that's the other thing when we talk about cybersecurity is not a monolithic thing. Like a hack is not a hack with a capital H. A hack is a small H-A-C-K that takes on different shapes and forms, depending on what the intent of the bad actor is in, in the in the stage or the or the theater of, of where a cybersecurity incident might happen. And where does cyber insurance come into play in all of this, in your view? There's a responsibility on both sides, right? So the insurer and the insuree, I think the insuree needs to think about how they protect their, their assets and work with an informed provider of services that's going to be able to help that organization um, protect itself, be able to be resilient in the face of an attack. And so be able to work with a partner that's not only going to be a monetary insurance, but also be a true strategic partner so that there's a way for the insurance company to be able to learn from incidents that happen because systems are only as good as the things that you learn in terms of its weaknesses and strengths. And so for the insured or the, the, the insured candidate, for them to be able to do their homework, first of all, because there's various insurance providers. And I think there, I think um, some of them, because of the increasing nature of cybersecurity attacks, have probably been changing their policy. Similar in the sustainability, all the climate incidents that have been happening, tornadoes, ice rain, hurricanes, like all these things are having insurance company rewrite policies. And so the insured needs to do their homework. Um, number two is to make sure that the insurer that they are going to work with is going to be a strategic partner and is able to be responsive and is able to be able to give them some frameworks and guidelines and to be a good strategic partner versus a vendor-provider relationship or vendor-client relationship. And I think for the insurer, um, it's really important for them to provide a service that's going to be at once uh, catered to the specific segment that they're serving. And again, Thinking about the needs of a SMB versus a large-scale enterprise is likely to be is likely to have uh, some variance, if not a great deal of variance. And so, for the insur insurer, is to be able to be smart and to be able to build that relationship with the clients that they're insuring, and in many ways, be able to take a lot of the information data as incidents occur across a, a hopefully huge footprint for what an insurer is providing. Because collectively, that's the only way that we're going to be not even a step ahead, maybe at, at par with some of the ways that um, the, the, the bad actors are, are making leaps and bounds in the ways that innovation is happening in the cybersecurity space. So that's, that's really where the symbiotic relationship has to be, because I think insurers, it's incumbent on them to be able to be the ones that can have the pattern recognition that can 
really provide some of the important data um, and to be able to have those data lakes that can be synthesized to be able to maybe even help other parties be able to better predict or to be able to be a step ahead of, of bad actors and future breaches and hacks. Definitely. And this is all part of risk management that we do with cybersecurity every day, right? And I think it's it's very important, as you said, to have a strategic partner rather than just, you know, offloading the risk of a cyber crisis to insurance provider, right? And so um, having someone who can, who has the expertise to really understand cyber inside and out, and then also to be able to provide that strategic support from a cybersecurity point of view is really, really essential, especially as cybersecurity becomes such an existential crisis for companies. Yeah. And, you know, I would also add that I think it's it's upon the insurers to, to make it turnkey, as turnkey as possible, mm-hmm. because it's already complex enough to try to, as any size business, to be like, okay, how on earth do I manage all the different facets of, of entry points and vulnerability nodes and, and vulnerability points? So I think it's it's also very important for the insurer to, because we're living in a world of applications and human-centered design and also leverage those capabilities to, to really make that relationship as turnkey and as seamless as possible. Rika, thank you so much for sharing all these things with us. I think it's it's really insightful and interesting to look at this different perspective of cybersecurity and looking at the overlap of sustainability and cybersecurity is definitely something I'll be looking more into. Do you have a final message or any final remarks for our viewers and our listeners? I think the sudden, though it's been around for a while, but in the mainstream media, the sudden emergence of chat GPT is something to ponder. Because these emerging technologies, the world that I've been immersed in, and as I said earlier, cybersecurity and IT security has always kind of been this placemat. And we talk about this notion of secure by design. We've talked about that for years. I think with things like quantum computing and generative AI, generative AI being exemplified by ChatGPT, the thing that we need to think about is, are we going to go through a paradigm shift because we feel like we went through a paradigm shift already with the the pandemic and the escalation of threats and incidents and now the geopolitical instability and the Ukraine situation. I feel like we're going to see quite soon another paradigm shift that's now been catalyzed by the idea of ChatGPT. Because ChatGPT and OpenAI has been remarkably useful for a lot of people in terms of, I mean, it's been fun and whimsical for some and for others, it's been meaningfully productive for people to put prose together in a way that's going to make sense or they just need to put something together that ChatGPT can do in 15 seconds. The other side of that coin is the threat of how AI is going to take us into a a landscape that we are not familiar with and we just don't know where that's going to go because the ability for autonomous agents to be able to 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 have a level of quote unquote intelligence is is is, is incredibly frightening and I think if ChatGPT can write code that creates an app that delights somebody, I think it has, of course, the polar opposite potential to be able to create entirely new kinds of threats that I, you know, I, I wonder. And and I hope that I hope that this escalation of the Russian invasion with Ukraine and with that war going on and the recent 
incidents of the balloon above the U.S. and all these moments, it just, it just makes, I think it just makes us all a little bit more nervous. Well, a lot more nervous for some people that, that it's going to be hard to close Pandora's box on some of this. And so I don't, I don't want to say that as a gloomy doomsayer to end this conversation with you, Larabella. I'm just saying that I think I'm just hoping that anybody that's listening to this, that is working on quantum computing, that is working on new, new kinds of uh, ventures and startups that are looking to leverage AI, not even just for good, because it's one of the things that I always say is let's not talk about being sustainable for good. Let's, let's talk about being sustainable for our collective ability to be, to, to thrive. Mm -hmm. And so I I hope that whoever's listening to this is, is going to put their mind to it because, uh, you know, there are some incredible, incredible minds out there and people that are able to tap into a level of intelligence and know-how and engineering that I think is going to help us through that next paradigm shift that I, I think is, uh, is inevitable. Thank you. Yeah, this is really important. And it's it's just a known unknown, right? As you were saying before, it's something that we need to prepare for and we need to understand, try and understand better. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I say all that to say I'm super optimistic. There are organizations like Black Panda that are out there um, continuing to fight the good fight, continuing to engage with ecosystem players and partners in a way that is profoundly impactful to create new breakthroughs and to create new partnerships from what I understand that are really going to be able to make this ability to be, to be, to have a, I'll call it a cybersecurity IQ at the very least, that's much higher than it could ever be through the knowledge and insights and analytics that I think that um, Black Panda has access to. Um, And also to be able to leverage those instruments in a way that will increase the odds and the cha- and the chances of organizations to maintain their integrity and to be able to prosper into the future. Definitely, definitely. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do, and I think the um, there's there's a bit big need for this, and and we're really doing our best to kind of fill this this space. Thank you so much, Rika, for talking to me today. Uh, it's been lovely to have this chat and discuss this really interesting side of cybersecurity and sustainability. And of course you have so much experience in the space. So it's, it's always super, super inspiring to hear you speak about everything, you know, I'm just going to say that if any of our listeners want to know more about cybersecurity and cyber insurance and how they can be prepared for a cyber attack so they don't have to scramble uh, in the moment, um, the very stressful moment when a cyber attack does hit, they can contact us at hello at blackpanda.com or they can go on our website, blackpanda.com, where they can then fill out the contact us form and we'll be in touch within hours to support them. 